welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. To our guests all around the world, we are so delighted you've joined us. We have an incredible show with our very special guest joining us from New Zealand, David Downs. And before I introduce David, we have our Anikona Farm moment. So our show is about choosing to be positive, and that so inspired today's Anikona Farm moment because I really wanted to just quickly touch on gratitude. At Anikona Farm, I feel this this little farm has so much gratitude. It's it's about family times. It's about friends sharing here on the farm. It's it's about nature and the pretty beautiful tropical plants. And of course, that aloha that just is all around us and the coffee trees that are producing Anikona coffee. So I guess I just wanted to say all that gratitude is Anikona Farm. And thank you so much that I could share that today. So we're talking about choosing to be positive. And David Downs is joining us. He's general manager of New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. And he is working with the Technology Center to help fast-growing tech companies grow internationally. He was at Microsoft for 13 years. He's he's a published author with two highly successful books. He's an ex-comedian, a TV and radio actor. And we are so delighted to welcome you to my favorite coffee story today, David. Oh, kia ora and aloha and hello. Yeah, thank you very much for that intro. I also make a nice cup of coffee, actually, if that's relevant <laughs> to your CV. <laughs> Absolutely. And those are going to be some of our fun favorite coffee stories we'll share with our listeners. We thought we'd start out talking about some of your growing up days and family times in New Zealand. Please share with us, David. Wow, thank you. And I noticed this is, you've got a bit of a New Zealand theme that's gone through a couple of your shows because I, I was listening to another one. They also had another Kiwi, as we call ourselves, uh, yes. on the program. Yes. So that's nice. Um, so, I, yes, I, I was born and bred here in New Zealand, which for listeners who don't know where that is, we're right at the bottom of the world, sort of nicely tucked away next to Australia, kind of away from harm. And that's the way we kind of like it most of the time. It's a very tropical paradise um, mountains and, and sea and just a wonderful place to, to be born and grow up. Um, my parents are actually from Ireland originally, so I actually have got a kind of best of both worlds. I've, I've got a foot in the Irish world and then, you know, my adult years have been spent here in New Zealand. So a wonderful place to grow up. Absolutely. New Zealand is a very special place. And you also attended university there at University of Auckland. Yeah. Please share with us some of your favorite classes, David. Oh, my God. None of them would be the, the honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I actually have a very checkered history because, well, now I'm you know relatively successful in the business world. But back then, actually, I... Um, uh, university was never really my key priority. When I left school, I decided I would go into university because that's sort of what you did. And I actually ended up studying topics and things that I just had no interest in. Um, and I don't know, I sort of found myself one day going, how did I get here? Sitting in a mathematics class, kind of listening to some boring lecture drone on. So um, I actually left university after about 18 months and became an actor and a writer and a stand-up comedian. Um, much to my parents' dismay and disgust, uh, because I was going to be the first of the family that would ever go through university. Um, but I dropped out to become this kind of weird actor. And um, retrospect, and at the time, it was the best thing I ever did, because I just had this wonderful um, life uh, learning about, you know, growing up uh, by being in the arts. And um, and in the long run, it didn't do me any harm whatsoever. So uh, I, I often tell people that, you should do your crazy things and make your mistakes and uh, and live life, you know, when you can, young, because it really doesn't matter. You've got plenty of time to, to do other things as well. 
So yeah, university for me was really about uh, an excuse to to be uh, hanging out with my mates. Uh, but really, I was wanting to be in the in the acting and the writing and the stand up comedy and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have such a good sense of humor, David, and we all, one of the many things we love about you. I was curious, though, you decided to study computer science, so that's already kind of embarking on this technology background. Yeah. Tell yeah. us how you decided to study computer science. Yeah, it's sort of, um, as I said, I found myself at university, and, and I was actually initially studying mathematics and calculus and and um, and I don't know why. I think I was well. I was good at it at school, but it didn't mean I loved it. And I found myself at at university studying mathematics. And then uh, the one of the classes we started using computers, and this was the eighties, you know, the mid eighties. So it was a long yes. time ago now, and the computers were pretty primitive. Um, but I found that much more interesting that, than the actual maths itself. We were supposed to be using these things to solve equations, but I actually ended up just playing with a computer and learning how to program it and all that sort of stuff. And that became, um, you know, kind of a, a part of my life then forever, I suppose. I'm a, I'm a, I've always been a bit of a techie technology person. Um, and believe it or not, technology and comedy goes well together because uh, they're both structured, and this is going to sound strange, but they're both kind of uh, have used a similar mindset um, and require you to think differently and, and be sort of problem solving. And so I think that, uh, you know, they complement each other quite well. I can see that. And that's interesting how you pulled that together. And that does make a lot of sense. Did you by chance have any favorite coffee stories while attending university? Yeah, well, coffee in the mid 80s in New Zealand was a pretty primitive experience. <laughs> um, and in, in fact, my my family, as I said, come from Ireland. So in the Irish tradition, tea is a much more common uh, drink. So you know, my mother will mainline tea and you know five five pots a day, not let alone cups. So coffee for us was always this afterthought. It was it was granulated coffee, you know, fr- freeze dried coffee that you stick in a mug and pour some water on and kind of drink. And I look back now and realize it wasn't, we called it coffee, but really it's, you should think of it as a different drink. It's just brown liquid that you drink uh, because it, <laughs> it bears no resemblance to good coffee. But later in life, I found out that granulated uh, instant coffee was actually invented here in New Zealand. And so I've now got a, a real strong affection for it because there was a guy in, in the late 1800s uh, in, uh, way down in the South Island of New Zealand who was trying to come up with a drink and a way to use all the excess coffee beans he'd bought, and he freeze-dried and granulated the coffee. His name was David Strang. And um, he actually sort of pioneered uh, granulated coffee, and then it was sort of simultaneously invented about, uh, invented about six months or a year later in the US by a, I think, by a Japanese immigrant um, at the time. So, so there's a real strong connection between coffee and New Zealand, even though we don't grow it here. Interesting story. Thank you for sharing that with us, David. And I can see how we were talking how technology and comedy have a lot in common, but now you've just described how coffee and technology and coming up with a freeze-dried coffee also have a lot in common. So thank you for sharing that. I was <laughs> There's connections everywhere, Anika. That is the great thing about the world, isn't it? Everywhere you it, look, something's connected. It is, and it's just so wonderful that we can be sharing these great stories while you're speaking to us from New Zealand. So we're just so happy you've joined us today. What was it like, David, really, when you joined New Zealand Trade and Enterprise? And I guess you were customer director in 2012, yeah. is that right? Yeah, so I, um, you skipped the whole bit of my career, where, I mean, or two bits of my career, but anyway. Um, we can uh, certainly talk about that if you like. Oh, yeah, no, well, let me, let me tell you a little bit about that first, because that's probably more important, you know, well, not more important, that's terrible, but. I, because um, actually there's a big jump between being a stand-up comedian and now suddenly working for a government department. And so people might wonder how the heck did you get from one to the other? Um, so for me, uh, you know, I, I started, I ended up starting at my own company at one point or a couple of companies. And um, one was an IT company, you know, developing software in the 90s. Um, one was a, a, a club, actually a stand-up comedy club in New Zealand, which Sounds like in itself a joke that someone would set up a, a stand-up <laughs> comedy club, but um, I learned an enormous amount from doing those things, and 
Uh, and it was a really interesting, exciting part of my life. Again, like I said earlier, you should always make your mistakes when you're young because they're you know relatively um, easier on the on the budget and the and the long term uh, <laughs> prospects. But really, that that interest in technology and comedy just kept going. So I had a comedy club and a technology company both going at the same time. I ended up going and um, working for Microsoft actually, so a large American corporate. It's been about 15 years at Microsoft. Um, and really understanding American culture and working for a large corporate like that. Spent a lot of time back and forth between particularly Seattle, but, you know, other parts of the States as well. So I really got to learn more about the coffee culture there, just as a quick aside, of course, because Seattle is the home of Starbucks, as everybody will know. So true. And um, it was one of the pilgrimages when you when you joined Microsoft and you finally got to go to head office, which was Redmond in Seattle. Um, and then when you had a day off, you could go down to um, – to Pike Street Market where they throw the fish around and right across the road from the Pike Street Market is the is the first ever Starbucks and it's it's quite a, a um, for some people if you're a big coffee aficionado it's almost a religious experience going to that place um, you can see the original logo where the, the Starbucks mermaid still had her breasts showing which was you know quite salacious <laughs> uh, now they're a little bit more a little bit more demure um, and you could buy yourself a you know a t-shirt and a cu- and a cup and a and a and a mug of Joe from from the original Starbucks. So there was quite an interesting thing there. And then I realised how massive Starbucks is in that part of the world. Like it's everywhere. You know every every building at the at the company I was in had uh, a Starbucks cafe. Every street corner has a cafe. So I I understood then that I was I was just a mere babe in the wood when it came to coffee compared to the um, American coffee culture. Um, Anyway, how did I get into that? Oh, yes. Anyway, so I worked at Microsoft for a very long time. I spent a, I spent a couple of years living in, in Asia as part of that. So um, Microsoft moved me, as big corporates will do, to um, to Asia and um, just loved living there, living in Singapore, traveling around uh, Southeast Asia and uh, spending a lot of time in some of the emerging countries there and really understanding the cultures uh, and loving that as well. So that for us, you know, and my, my whole family, by that stage I had a family and they, they were with me at the time. We just loved that uh, experience of um, traveling and working and, and learning all about Asia. And again, if I may, just because we're on a coffee show, uh, that was a really interesting, from a, from the perspective of coffee, because coffee is this, uni- I mean, this is probably why you do your show, it's a universal currency really, isn't it? It's a language... It and a connection between people, even if you don't speak a language, a common spoken language, you speak the language of coffee. And, and it's a real tradition and a cultural thing. And I, I remember a couple of stories. One is, um, or just just experiences really, one is going to Vietnam. If any of the listeners or you have ever been to Vietnam, uh, you'll realize that pretty quickly, again, that coffee is a very big part of their culture and life and their uh, society and way of kind of getting on with each other. Absolutely. They have a p- particular Vietnamese coffee style, which is a drip coffee. You put a, they call it a fin. It's like a small um, uh, a basket or cup that sits on top of your main cup. You put coffee grounds in, you you, you squash them down with a little um, damper, and then you pour hot water over the top. So it sounds a bit like an espresso, but it's it's a bit different. And it slowly drips into your cup over you know a period of maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So already it's creating a, an occasion because you have to wait, which is really cool. Um, you know, the humans need to take more time just waiting because it's quite good for our minds to rest. But while you're waiting for your coffee, you can smell the aromas and you can just get into the street culture. I remember many times sitting on, a, you know, on these tiny little plastic stools in the streets of Vietnam with crazy cars and traffic and things going around. And all you're sitting there is waiting for your drip coffee. And then if you're really naughty, like I am, <laughs> you'd put a big spoonful of sweetened condensed milk into the coffee. And that's how they. This is how they serve it in uh, Singapore, uh, in uh, Vietnam. And you stir in the um, the sweetened condensed milk into your coffee, and you have this amazing uh, hit of coffee and sweetness and sugary delight. And it's just a delicious thing. Um, for me, it's very evocative of Asia having coffee in that particular style. you got to be careful you don't have too many of them, of course, because basically you can put on a lot of weight <laughs> with all that sweet and condensed milk. <laughs> but, but it really is a lovely tradition. Uh, thank um, you for sharing that, David. Yeah. And in fact, when we came back to uh, New Zealand after having lived there, my wife 
uh, Catherine decided that she really loved this coffee so much that she bought a whole lot of these fins and then she found a company in uh, in Vietnam in Hanoi who would ship coffee down to New Zealand from from Vietnam for us. So we still every now and then get a package arrive in the post with a big couple of kilos of coffee from Vietnam, which just happens to be the exact style she likes. So we really do put condensed milk in that when you drink that. Some have been known to Aniko. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yes. just such a delicious drink and, and again Asia's just a wonder again for those people who haven't been there it's a wonderful um, part of the world another another coffee tradition just from another country uh, is from Singapore which is a uh, Singapore and probably Hong Kong does the same thing when you go and get coffee there you can, you can get it in a little plastic bag and it's a really interesting thing so instead of a takeaway coffee cup you actually get a plastic bag which you hold with a little plastic handle and you stick a straw in the top. And part of the reason is because you typically go around on bicycles and you put this over your handlebar and you're drinking your coffee and biking around. And it, and it seems something the locals do a lot of. I tried it once and I made a complete mess because I sort of forgot that it was a plastic bag and tried to pick it up the wrong way and it just went <laughs> everywhere and was a real disaster. But again, it's that sweetened coffee. They call it copio. Copy uh, is a Malaysian phrase, and they copy O means yes. copy with with some sort of sweet milk in it, and it's just a delicious experience. Uh, and my wife again, because she's really into this, she got into the culture. She grabbed one of those bags, and they often last you the whole morning. You let it go okay. cold because it comes as delicious cold coffee, and uh, just a lovely, a lovely experience of Asia. So fun, and you really took us there. And thank you for sharing those fun <laughs> favorite coffee stories. And David, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to yeah. talk a little bit more with David Downs, General Manager of New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. Right after the break, we're going to ask David about what it was like working with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise and also what their mission is and some of his favorite parts about being part of that team right after the break. So listeners, please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're talking about choosing to be positive with our wonderful guest, David Downs from New Zealand. And we were just chatting with David about his time, about 15 years working at Microsoft, and he had lived actually in in Southeast Asia and Singapore and some of the coffee traditions there, and that was so fun. But also hearing about David's early days and his interest in being a stand-up comedian and how he brought technology and comedy together. He started his own technology company, and, and we were just going to ask David about what it what it's been like working at New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, a little bit about what they do. And when he joined in, I guess, maybe in 2012, where he started working as customer director, sharing some stories about that time. Please share. Right. So, first of all, I suppose we should explain that what New Zealand Trade and Enterprise is. So, New Zealand is, a, as we mentioned earlier, a very small country. We're at the bottom of the world, the bottom of the South Pacific. There's only about 5 million people that live here and an enormous number of sheep and cows. So we're outnumbered. Um, but it's actually quite quite a large country. Everyone thinks of it as small because they look at it on the map, it looks small. But the reality is it's, it's about the size of California or double the size of California, I think. So it's quite, it's quite large. There's not many of us. We're running around sort of talking to each other. That makes it really challenging to grow the country because you've you haven't got many people you can sell your products or services to who live nearby, and the nearest country from us is Australia, which is three hours flight away. So it's basically, if you're in the US, it'd be like going from one of the two sea coasts into the middle. Um, so it it actually takes a lot of work and effort to grow the country, and a big part of that is how do we sell our products and services and and particularly things like our food products that we make, which are so wonderful, our wine. Uh, so these amazing um, uh, products that we have in New Zealand. So our, the New Zealand Trade and Enterprise is a government agency, so we're part of the government, and uh, our job is to help grow the country by selling those products overseas and uh, working with, in places like the US, where I've spent quite a bit of time uh, introducing our wine, our our you know, dairy products, our technology products, our amazing, um, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of products and services that we have for the for the country there. So, so my role is really helping run this organisation that thinks about what, how do we get out into the world and how do we position New Zealand so that people want to buy what we have to offer. And it's a really cool job. It marries together my history of sort of, uh, you know, of tra- traveling and spending time overseas with my love and passion for New Zealand. So we, um, I'm very lucky. And I think New Zealand Trade and Enterprise is very lucky that you are there and you are a very well-loved general manager and you make such a difference for, of course, all the people who work with you. But even for New Zealand. And so I know everyone is very grateful to you for all the good that you do for New Zealand and promoting its technology and and products, etc. You've talked a little bit about its mission. And what would you say is your favorite part of working there? You mentioned you love to travel and you also love New Zealand. Please share what your favorite part is. Yeah. Uh, Well, we have... um 50 offices around the world. So we're a very small agency. There's only 600 people that work for us. And and yet we have to try and cover the globe, you know, almost literally. So uh, we have offices in all across Asia and Europe in the Middle East, um, we're across South America, North America, China. So, so I, I get to quite regularly go and visit those places and find, you know, you'll be walking through the streets of Beijing and all the crazy noise and, and all that, and then all of a sudden you walk into one of our offices and it feels like you're back home in New Zealand. There's, there's usually one or two Kiwis that work there and a, and a, a number of local people. Um, you'll see familiar, you know, faces and, and it's a wonderful experience to be able to travel the world and, and yet have this connection back to your home country. And we also um, are very lucky because we're working with companies that are really interesting. So these are almost by definition, if you are a New Zealand company and you're growing and selling internationally, you're probably quite good at what you do because it's very difficult to do it. 
And if you're still in business, it sounds terrible. Yes. A bit of a law of the jungle going on. But if you're still in business, then you're actually probably quite good at doing business. And so that means you're smart people with great products, with interesting stories to tell, um, who are really working hard to, to grow their businesses and therefore grow the country. So I get to work with those sorts of people quite regularly. And that's, that's the people, therefore, is my favorite part of the job. I love turning up in foreign countries and, and learning the culture of those countries. Um, that's, for me, a really big... Uh, part of my, you know, the pleasure I get out of life is by learning about other countries. And I, one little trick I always do is I learn three or four words from every country that I've been in. And it's usually hello and thank you and please and goodbye or something like that. But it makes such a difference to people when you go to the effort of learning a few words, even if you can only just start a, start a sentence and then have to move to English. Um, for me, that's a, that's a real... A joy, basically, that I, you know, I, I get that opportunity to, to travel, to learn, and to meet other cultures. And that's so true. I I think it's fascinating that we were talking about how coffee is a way to connect, and learning yeah. those words, it's another way to connect. And yeah. and uh, that's why I also love the show is that often we learn how just even a simple cup of coffee or even the process of growing coffee brings us together. And and thank you for sharing about New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, David. I'm curious, you do some, in addition, you're involved with the Venture Taranaki Trust and you're yeah. also a trustee with Victoria Theatre Trust in 2013. Please share with us about those experiences. Wow. That's it. Gosh, you've done your homework on me, haven't you, Anika? That's amazing. Um, I guess... My philosophy of life is that you, you're a participant, not a spectator. And it's it's important to, as you grow and learn and have experiences and, and the opportunity to, to share and give back. And so for me, you know, part of why I work here at New Zealand Trade and Enterprise is because I want to give back to my country. Those other organisations you know, are, are me giving back in other ways. So one of them is a trust for a local theatre where I live, so a little movie theatre and live theatre and, and we do music and things like that and the arts has always been something I really love so I've, I, I put an effort to help support that you know and that's turning up at you know 7.30 on a Tuesday night and sitting in a cold hall and talking about how we're going to get more people to come and you know how do we fix the bathrooms and all these sorts of things <laughs> um, but that's part of giving back to the community that you live in you know a lot of people's I've, I've noticed we'll sit back and say someone should really do something and I've, I'm of the opinion that you're that someone so for me that's part of it Adventure Taranaki Trust for example is a is a is, Taranaki is a region of New Zealand it's a it's one of our um, uh, lovely areas of the country with beautiful mountains and, and um, surf beaches and things and that's part of the country that um, is growing uh, has some challenges it used to be a big oil uh, area where oil and gas comes from and that's now changing and so I'm involved in that more in a professional capacity helping manage a transition between a an oil and gas dependent region to one that's now more focused on tourism and dairy and that's so that's quite a an intellectual and uh, you know and stimulating challenge as well but again it, both of those things and others as well I'm sure you're going to talk about are things that I do because I think that you've really got to dive in and when you've got the opportunity to help um, you know that's that's part of what we're all responsible for. And you give back to your community, David, and we are all so grateful to you for that. We talked a little bit about your talent as a stand-up comedian and how you became involved in comedy. You're also a published author of two very highly successful books, Number 8 Rewired being one of them. Yeah. How, did, how did you um, decide you wanted to write a book? Well... Writer, I've always been a writer. As I said, I dropped out of university to become a writer and an actor. And writing to me is a fantastic form of expression because you, you can, you, in my head, it all sort of cooks together. And then I sit down at a computer and I just write and it just comes out all of a sudden. And um, and I love that feeling of creativity. So often that often, often I read back what I've written. I don't remember having written it. It's wonderful. <laughs> It's a surreal escapism of writing. The books that I've written, I've written a number actually, um, uh, have all been, um, some have been sort of comedic, you know, books. In my early years, I was sort of playing with the format and writing things that were going alongside TV shows that I was involved in and stuff. And then um, and then I decided I, was re I have a real passion for New Zealand, as you probably have heard a few times, and I have a real mm -hmm. passion for innovation and, and technology and 
and this is an example of what I was just talking about a minute ago, I said someone should really write a book about, you know, the great technology and innovation that's going on in New Zealand. And then I sort of caught myself and went, well, someone should. That should be me. Why wouldn't I write it? And, um, Absolutely. I'm in the position to know a lot about it. And and so um, and so foolishly, I said to myself, yeah, let's just do that. that how hard can that be? I'll just do it in my spare time. Um but unlike other things I'd written, of course, when you write a, a non-fiction book, you've actually pretty much got to get the facts right. Um, <laughs> you can't just make it all up. It's a real tragedy of the form. So I had to spend quite a lot of time researching and finding out interesting facts and going and talking to people and looking up historical documents and all that sort of stuff. And then I wanted to make it in an accessible and open and easy to read way because I didn't want it to be a dry, boring sort of book. So. Uh, I've actually written a couple, both times with co-authors, my friend John and another friend Michelle, and um, and that's a really cool experience because writing with someone else is a lot of fun. And um, yeah, these books have been, they, they won't be at all interesting to people who live outside New Zealand really, although we have sent a few around to different parts of the world um, where people are interested, but it's much more of a kind of a, an anthology and a collection of of the of the amazing uh, things that have gone on in this small country that we live in, you know, almost away from the world. Well, you're a very good writer, and and when you were writing your very popular blog uh, after you had found out in January 2017 that you had cancer, and your blog, which already the title shows that it's going to be so unique and so well-written, A Touch of the Cancer. Please share with us, David, about that time when you found out. Yeah. I knew you'd bring that up, Aniko. <laughs> so, yes, I was, I suppose, like, I was just a, I consider myself a pretty normal person, just trucking along in life and having a lovely time and working and family and all that sort of stuff. And then one day I just felt you know, more and more ill. And I realized I'd been feeling sick for quite some time, months probably, and just ignoring it. Like all good males, I just ignored the problem um, until, you know, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And my wife was saying, yeah, David, you really should go and see a doctor because I was just feeling tired and listless. And and um, and one New Year's Eve, I, I, I made the New Year's resolution that I wanted to lose weight and, uh, and see more of my friends and family. And I realized a few weeks later that you've got to be careful what you wish for because it could come true. Um, I lost about 10 kilos, which is about, I think, 25, 30 pounds in about four weeks. And I realized then that something was probably pretty seriously wrong. So I thought I had a mild touch of the flu. I went to the doctor and, you know, 24 hours later, I was told I had a a pretty major touch of cancer. Um, And I probably had it for a good year. But as I say, hadn't really noticed, had pretty much ignored it. Um, so that's one salutary lesson for all people, but particularly stubborn males, is don't ignore health problems because they only get worse, not better. Um, so, yeah, for me, that was a real um, shock, of course. It was a yes. big eye-opener and um, has actually now, you know, fast forward, I've, I've lived, by the way, but um, it's subsequently changed my life quite, quite dramatically in a, in a really good way, I reckon. Um, but at the time, of course, you don't know that. So I was... I was told I had cancer. I was told I needed to get into chemotherapy pretty much immediately because it was pretty uh, prevalent. Uh, it was a type of cancer called lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. Um, and from there on, I basically started what turned out to be a very long time, a long period of chemotherapy and other treatment. And um, yeah, so through that period, particularly in the beginning days, I decided I was going to document it and write about it and again like I said earlier I've always written it's sort of a great form of expression for me and this gave me a focus and also I was really curious because I realized you know I walked into the hospital to have my chemotherapy and I realized I'd never really spent any time in a hospital you know I'd visited the odd person and I'd when we had children we'd gone to hospital to have the birth and stuff but it wasn't much and I didn't know much about it I'd never certainly stayed in hospital myself so I thought it was really interesting and I was curious about what was going on and I was curious about how chemotherapy worked and I was interested that I knew so little. So I decided to document this whole exercise and um, and started writing and my writing got you know more and more and more and I was sharing it on an online newspaper here in New Zealand it's called Stuff and there's an amazing story I'll tell you in a minute about that. But um, but that was just my, my way of expression and kind of making fun of what was going on because these were quite comedic pieces and uh, ultimately it saved my life um, you know, your, 
me writing about it was the thing that actually saved me. So, oh, I'm, I'm going to tease that because I see you've got a break coming up. So, coming soon after the break. <laughs> well, no, break. actually, <laughs> I, I wanted to mention, David, that your blog, A Touch of the Cancer, was so inspiring for all of us. And just how you talked about your trips to Boston for, and I'm not quite sure if you say it, C-A-R-T-C. T cell therapy or CAR T cell therapy, but CAR T cell therapy in Boston and how you would talk about it was, it's something that through all that we can choose our reactions and we can choose to be positive. And that was such a lesson for all of us. And I hope you know that, that we really were so inspired and thank you for sharing your journey and we're so glad that you're you're feeling better. And I was curious before we do go to break, uh, a few things about uh, some of your experiences. One thing that I see yeah. whenever we, we see you doing like a TED talk or you're doing a, a special speaking engagement, you wear something around your neck. And I'd love to share, <laughs> I'd love to share that with our listeners um, in a, min- a minute, please. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, thank you. Oh, that's so cool that you noticed that, by the way. That is amazing. I'm wearing it now, actually, as we speak. So it's a it's a, a piece of precious stone called polnamu. Polnamu is greenstone or jade. So if you were in Asia, you'd call it jade. In New Zealand, it's called greenstone. And the Māori word for greenstone, the Māori is the local, um, native local people, is polnamu. Polnamu is a really precious um, uh, stone because it's hard and it's, uh, and it can be used as a tool, but it's also beautiful and it's got great color and it can be shine, a great shine on it. And for me, it was, um, I wear this as a reminder um, of a, about what I've been through. And the particular shape is quite important too. It's um, the shape of Ponami that I wear is, uh, is around a, a, a cutting tool. And, it, and it, the mythology is that um, it gives you bravery and strength. And someone gave it to me, my niece gave it to me um, when I was going through my the worst parts of chemotherapy and cancer. And I and I wear it on special occasions or when I'm talking about cancer because to me it kind of gives me a bit of strength and I just love it. So thank you for noticing. You're the first person I think that's ever noticed. Well, thank you for sharing that, David. And, you know, also for our listeners, David has a special skill of being able to speak the Maori language, which I I think that's so beautiful that you have that skill and also ties you to New Zealand. Listeners, when we come back after the break, we're going to hear how David decided decided to do now keynote speaking projects to raise some funds for cancer and bring that special therapy to New Zealand right after the break. So please join us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're chatting with David Downs. He's in New Zealand right now. He's general manager of New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, and he works with the Technology Center to help exciting, fast-growing technology companies to grow internationally. He was at Microsoft for about 15 years. He's a published author, ex-comedian, TV and radio actor, and we were just chatting how David, through writing his blog, a touch of the cancer and remaining positive through his entire cancer recovery journey, work through that. And now he's actually doing speaking engagements on top of still being general manager of New Zealand Trade and Enterprise to so he can raise money to bring that special CAR T cell therapy to New Zealand that will help other cancer patients. He's doing TED Talks. He's doing events like Dining for a Difference, which I guess Yes, he did a few days ago. And he also is about to do a fundraiser in December, we'll ask him about. But how is that fundraising going, David? It's going well, thank you. Um, I guess I should explain a little bit about, about the treatment. So basically, uh, my cancer options were, were sort of limited here in, in New Zealand. We ran out. In fact, I was told at one point that my cancer was terminal and they'd run out of options with chemotherapy. But I managed through this amazing... Um, set of luck and coincidence and, and just the universe looking after me that um, someone had been reading my my online columns and blogs that I'd written and he was an American guy who's very high up in the uh, in the healthcare sector in the, in the US and he reached out to me just to being a just a lovely guy and said I'd like to help you um, and, and no reason to he'd been to New Zealand once on holiday and that was his sort of connection but um, he ended up helping me get onto a clinical trial program in Boston, of all places. And Boston from New Zealand is a very long way away. It's about 26 hours, 26 <laughs> hours of flying, I think. And I've done it many times now. And um, that, that clinical trial was for a treatment called CAR T-cell therapy, which is a an immune therapy. So it's basically using your body's own immune system to fight cancer through genetically modifying T-cells. It's quite science fiction almost. It's incredible stuff. And um, and ultimately that saved my life, um, and was an amazing you know experience for me too. I I, I wouldn't want to wouldn't wish it on anyone, but in many ways it was one of the best years of my life this last year, um, or year and a half. Um, and then I came back to New Zealand, you know, small little New Zealand at the bottom of the world, and and lots of other people have been asking me about how might they might get on the same program, and I said, well, it's gonna it's gonna be a very long time before it gets somewhere like here. And then I still think to myself, someone should really do something about that, <laughs> that scenario again. Uh, and I discovered that there were actually some scientists here in New Zealand who were working on the same sort of treatment and they needed some help. So uh, as I said earlier, I think you need to be a participant in your life. And so I I now am helping them raise funds and raise awareness and um, by doing events and public speaking and, and a whole lot of things like that to, to bring the same CAR T cell therapy to New Zealanders here at home so that they don't have to go through this massive you know, trip overseas and moving your life for a few months at a time for treatment and the incredible expense of it as well. So so yes. that's, yeah, that's been a really, uh, really interesting exercise for me. I'm really loving the opportunity to make a difference. And you are making such a big difference, David. And once again, giving back to your community. I think uh, the upcoming event you have in December is just wonderful, where you're with your friend, Willie, and you're going to be doing kind of a stand-up, maybe a little stand-up comedy as well as kind of a play entitled Mild Mild Touch of Cancer and a Stroke of Genius. Please share with us. And I think even your son is helping out with us. Please tell us about that event. Yeah, I'm so impressed at your research. Um, yeah, yeah. So Willie's an old friend of mine from my days, as I said earlier, I was a stand-up comedian many years ago, and so was Willie at the time. At the same time, I went through my cancer, you know, experience. Um, poor old Willie had a stroke, uh, a pretty major stroke, actually, that was that was pretty life-threatening for him, and he's ended up having many, many months, it's probably now two years' worth of therapy, and and, and it's had a big impact on his life. And so the two of us, a year ago, when it was looking pretty bleak for both of us, we were sort of got together and said, look, if we get through this, if we both live, we should um, we should do a show. And that was sort of our pact with each other. 
And then lo and behold, now a year goes past. We've both got through it, and now we have to live live up to our um, <laughs> our promises. So we're doing a job. But it, the wonderful thing is, it's an opportunity to to raise some money for the things that we care about. As I said, raising some money for uh, this campaign to bring the CAR T cell therapy to my home country here. And um, and also it's a great opportunity to spend some time as friends together doing stuff that we quite enjoy, which is getting up on stage and telling a few stories. So. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. And then my son, who's seventeen and really into theatre and film and 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 music, and I wonder where he got all of that from. <laughs> um, <laughs> we and Willie's daughter actually too. Both of them, we said to them, well, why don't you guys join us? You know, it'd be really cool to have a show that we're, that we're doing with our kids as well. So, so yeah, in a in a few weeks' time, we'll be putting on a show and. If that goes well, we'll turn it into a, a season performance at the Comedy Festival next year, is the plan. Um, and it's really telling our story of life and what you learn from going through life-threatening illnesses, and, you know, and hopefully with a with a positive spin on it, because both of us are very positive about kind of what happened in the long run, how it, how it all panned out. And that really inspired this week's show and entitling it choosing to be positive because it's something that I think I think we can all think about and just take a moment and just express our gratitude and being positive. I think your show is going to be fantastic and I wish you all the best and I can imagine it's you, you're going to be requesting uh, uh-huh. you're going to be requested for another uh, encore of that I'm sure and you've been doing some recent adventures with your family and, and your wonderful wife Catherine yeah. and you were biking around New Zealand recently and also you visited Hawaii do you have any upcoming projects or travels in addition to some of the speaking engagements you're doing yeah I guess this journey over the last year has taught me that you shouldn't leave things too long on your bucket list if you've got things you want to do then get out there and do them um, because life is for living and you don't necessarily know what tomorrow's going to bring. So we've, yes. so we've been um, sort of ticking off some of the things that we really always wanted to do. One was we went to Hawaii, as you mentioned, and um, went to the Big Island and saw coffee being grown, and that was really cool, actually, and went and stayed in Kona, where, or is it Kona or Kona, where the, where the, you know, the almost the spiritual home of coffee for, for the world or this part of the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then, yes, we went cycling around the South Island of New Zealand. There's a lot of old um, railway trails have been turned into bike trails, and it's a really neat way to see the country over a few days of cycling through old railway. Uh, the main the main reason is because, by definition, railway trails are quite flat, so you can actually get around very easily. You don't have to be True. super fit. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, we've got a few uh, experiences planned. I'm heading. I'm. I'm heading, I have to head back to Boston very regularly. I get up there every three months at the moment, and it's a heck of a long way. But um, I always make the most of it. So this time when I'm going back, I'm I'm taking a friend with me who's an American, who's been living in New Zealand for about thirty years, and he's. We've always talked about being in America for Thanksgiving because I think it's a really neat tradition. So he's coming up. My my appointment happened to be Thanksgiving week, so we're going to go and spend Thanksgiving in Indiana, where he's from. Um, and I can't wait because I just would love I love that whole experience of being part of another culture and and seeing how things are done. Yeah. yeah. So so it's really I have to fit all that in around my day job as you mentioned. I still have a job to do. <laughs> I still have things that I need to that I'm responsible for. But uh, I th- you know I genuinely think that um, life is for living and that you you can be in life an optimist or a pessimist and whichever one you choose to be you're going to get really good at it if you practice. And so I practice being an optimist most of the time, and it seems to work out pretty well for me. I'm very lucky. That's so well put, David. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us. And I hope you're taking time also for some of your hobbies, like uh, playing the ook or however you yeah, might yeah. say it. Please share. Are you are you playing that a little <laughs> bit more recently? Yeah. Funny enough, I bought that ukulele. When I went to Hawaii first about 10 years ago, we were there just for a couple of days and I bought it as a bit almost a joke at a gift shop on Waikiki Beach and I ended up just loving playing it and uh, even more when I learned how to tune it, it sounded even better. So um, so since then I've actually collected a whole lot of ukulele and I've got probably about six of them now, uh, much to my wife's disappointment. Um <laughs> And we formed a little ukulele group in my neighbourhood and we get together irregularly, but we still do and play. And it'll actually be part of that show that you mentioned. Because um, music to me is a really uh, you know, fascinating way to change your perspective and, and bring about positivity. I, 
if I'm ever I'm you know feeling a bit flat, I put on some great music or play music, and um, to me it just sort of lifts the occasion. So, no, I I, I love things like that, and um, yeah, it, it gets friends together as well. It's a great way, like we True. mentioned earlier, you know, you can get people together over a cup of coffee. You can get people together over playing some music or listening to some music. It's wonderful. True. And I'm so curious for our listeners, do you have any upcoming books you're thinking of writing? Yeah. In fact, um, I'm turning my experience of the last year and a half into a book. Um, there's, an, you know, there's a great phrase, I think Churchill said, that no good crisis should go un- un- you know, to waste. Don't yes. let a good crisis go to waste. And this is what happened for me. So... As I was going through Catcher, I was going, God, how could I make the best out of this? What could I do? And I came up with a whole lot of ideas that are now coming true. Like I said, I'm going to do public speaking about it. I'd like to do some stuff on the TV and radio about it, which I've been doing. And I turned my experiences into a book. So I've been writing um, and taking the, the columns and the blog that I wrote and then adding a whole lot of stuff to them about you know, what I learned and how it's changed my life. And we are now turning that into a book which Penguin will publish and um, and that will be early next year or mid next year probably by the time it comes out. So that so that's all fun as well. That's fantastic, David. And we wish you all the best with your fundraising and bringing that important technology and therapy to New Zealand and all that you do for your community and helping the technology sector and and of course you're you're good to your family and you bring a lot of laughter also to those around you and remind us to choose to be positive, or at least think about your reactions. So we've been so happy you've joined us today, David, and it's been an incredible time to hear about your your journey and about your life lessons. And so thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. I hope that you come to New Zealand and your listeners come in. We have here what's called a flat white, which is our our contribution to the global world of coffee, it's basically like a latte with a lot less uh, crema on top. The flat white. Come to New Zealand and have one. It's our national coffee dish. <laughs> it's a delicious coffee, actually. And, of course, maybe we might even be able to try a little bit of Vietnamese coffee if we stop oh, yes. by your place. I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course. But, but uh, thank you again, David. It's been such an honor to have thank you. you. Oh, thank you, David. So we've been chatting with David Downs, who had just such an inspiring story as he runs the New Zealand trade and enterprise efforts to help the Technology Center, all about his journey working at Microsoft, being a comedian and TV and radio actor, and, and then, of course, taking his positive attitude to work through his recovery time this last year and a half is just so inspiring. So it was just wonderful to to hear about those lessons and, and also how humor and laughter can really make a difference in this life. Also, it was so interesting to hear some of the favorite coffee stories that David shared with us and the coffee scene there in New Zealand. So I hope you've enjoyed it. So listeners, thank you for joining us as well. And I mentioned last week that we're going to be taking a little break to work on our harvest here at Anikona Farm and we hope we'll be together again to share favorite coffee stories down the road. You can always go to anikona.com for our Anikona gift and we can continue the conversation by sending us questions at orders at anikona.com Thank you again for a very special time together and also I just wish you a wonderful day, a wonderful week and and much, much aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.